I'm Josh Cooperman with a visit to Greater Atlanta to visit with designer Maggie Griffin about designing with Southern charm. Maggie Griffin is a really interesting designer who has mastered the feel of Southern charm, yet fine-tuned her craft in Europe while studying in Florence, Italy. Her studies included the history of fabrics, retail marketing, and merchandising. With an obvious passion for her work and institutional knowledge and a mastery of textiles, Maggie is able to craft her spaces for Southern living with a European flair. And that is evident in her work. You've, you've got the traditional uh, Southern charm, traditional European feel with a nod to the modern. She has what I call full range of motion as it relates to the work from her modern Atlanta farmhouse to a charming Dutch colonial with Southern accents. You're going to meet Maggie, but first this. Convo by Design is presented by Walker Zenger, a forward acting brand that has built on the promise to provide designers and architects with the right materials to do their best work. That promise is fulfilled every day through a commitment to provide the best ceramic, glass, stone, porcelain, and concrete surfaces and finishes. This is a family business with over 65 years of global product discovery, sourcing, and manufacturing the finest products available. Walker Zanger believes strongly in serving the trade with a trade program to make the specifying process simple with the support you need. They also have been staunch supporters of the trade since 1952. Check out their collaborative line with designer Pieta Donovan, a collection of cement and ceramic tiles inspired by the patterns and colorways of the 1970s and created with a comfortable modernity. Please also make sure to join us for an interactive video series called The Showroom, where you can find some of the most innovative designers talking about their creations. This is just another example of how Walker Zanger is on the cutting edge of design, featuring products for every style and architectural feel you can create. Check out any of their showrooms across the country or shop online, walkerzanger.com. I am curious how each designer goes about their business, goes about their work, goes about um, establishing. It's so interesting to me. You you can go to school to be an interior designer. Right. You can learn to be an interior decorator. You can gain experience, but there's nobody that really tells you how to do the business. Right. And we talk about that a lot here <clears throat> at Maggie Griffin Design um, because for what the very reason that you're saying, I think college is designed to teach you a little about a lot, but there's nothing like the real life experience and unfortunately, most of the time, it's trial and error. <laughs> it's so true. So you're in Atlanta. I'm right outside of Atlanta, um, about 45 minutes north of Atlanta. We're called Metro Atlanta. Um, so we're a suburb. And I am kind of on the cusp of the North Georgia mountains, um, kind of in our lake territory. That's so cool. Now, when, when did you get started? Where, did you, have you always been in Georgia? Yes, born and raised um, okay. in southern middle Georgia, so deep southern roots. Um, I grew up in a really small agriculturally-based community, um, and so I am the proud daughter of many generations of farmers. Um, 
my dad is still farming. My brother is farming with him. Um, it's something that I find such value in that my children can see. But I feel like here, especially in the South, our roots of hospitality are so intertwined with an agricultural community. Um, I also, uh, I married the my teenage sweetheart, who is also from the small agriculturally based community. And we, he doesn't have as deep of roots as I do there. Um, I laugh that my family came over on the Mayflower and found their plot of land and they never left it. Um, so very deep roots, but um, yes, yeah, so born and raised Georgian and my husband and I both attended the University of Georgia, which is in Athens, um, which is really is in North Georgia, about 45 minutes from where we are now. So um, we, we travel back home quite often because all of our family is there, but now we are in kind of the metro hub of Atlanta, which is, we're very blessed to have as um, a design resource. You know, Atlanta is, is really doing some awesome things with design. Well, and I wanted to ask you, you know, in the, in the midst of 2020 and where we are now, how are you holding up? How has, how has the business changed for you? And how has it changed with, and I ask the question because it's really remarkable in, in, many, in many of the conversations I've had, designers, architects, you really are essential workers. Um, and I think in, in a way more so than people might have imagined prior to, you know, what, March 12th of 2020? Yes, the day, the day we'll never forget. Um, right. Thank you so much for asking. You know, here at MGD, I feel like we have really had such a period of growth and change over um, the past six months that has allowed us to be extremely adaptable um, to just what the day is going to bring. And um, here in the state of Georgia, construction was still deemed essential during our quarantine period of time for that six weeks. So um, where our projects here at Maggie Griffin Design were still trucking along, and so that meant that we needed to still be trucking along. So some of the smaller scale projects or maybe just the more like decorating or design projects were not um, moving at, at quite a, a fast pace, but the building processes were actually moving quicker. Um, people were more available. It was, you know, they didn't have, um, you know, all of those places that source building supplies and, and, and resources for our builders were staying open to make those processes keep rolling, the ball rolling for them. So in turn, we were doing the same thing. We were providing all the information for the finishes and the paint and, and all that stuff here at MGD, but we were just doing it very remotely. Um, we were taking turns coming into the office. Um, you know, we were doing a lot from home. We were saying, okay, tomorrow I have a window of time when I'm not homeschooling my children from one to four for us to get as much done in that three hours over um, FaceTime or Zoom or whatever. Our office was talking very regularly. We're of course on a, uh, we have 12 girls here in the office. So we're, we're in constant communication anyway, but it was very, um, it was, it was definitely more essential communication back in the spring. And so what we found over the summer um, someone told me that we're in the Home Depot effect category is that 
Home Depot and Lowe's had record-breaking numbers back in the spring, and, and we feel the same way. We feel very blessed that people are looking at the four walls of their homes, and they're saying, okay, you know what? It's time. We're, we're ready. If, if we're going to be spending even more time here than we normally do, we want it to be what we, what we want. And so I think now home means more now more than ever, and having that home, that home base for your children, the one that leaves you inspired, but also a place for you to relax is extremely important. And um, we feel lucky to be kind of on the receiving end of that. Um, we're seeing a lot of second home um, investment growth here for a lot of our clients who were kind of toying with the idea. And now they're thinking, okay, I can't just be in my house all the time. We need another one, you know? And so that has been wonderful to see too. I feel like only just now we are seeing the bigger effects of um, shortages and um, things that are the longer lead times because the inventory that was still available back in the spring, I think is catching up on us. And so we're having to <laughs> have very honest conversations with our clients. It could be something as simple as, you know, the, the chair I wanted them to put around their dining room table, or it could be something as essential as, you know, the windows that we picked out for your new home are no longer available or there is no ETA. So um, we're just having really honest conversations with our clients and saying, we're all just doing the best that we can. It's so true. And I'm, and I'm curious and I'm, I love that you brought it up because one of the, one of the crucial things is, you know, in, in, designers are people pleasers. You're a people pleaser. I mean, we don't know each other that well, but Absolutely. you are, you are. And um, it, part of that desire to be a people pleaser is trying to make things happen all the time. It's like, Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe I can, I can get it sooner. It's hard to say that now because, you know, and it's tough for you too, because first you had the, the tariff issues that mm -hmm. was, you know, mid to later part of 19 right? And then you had this thing hit in March. And when, I'm curious if you saw the same thing when, when this thing started, you know, we were, we were already at a, at a, you know, eight to 10 week window on things. And then this pushed it immediately to, to 10 to 12, 14 to 16 and some things. How did that affect, how did that affect you? And how do you, how do you mitigate the disappointment, how do you work within, within that construct to get your clients what they need and still do what you need to do and be completely honest with them? Absolutely. You know, we saw a summer um, that was filled with a, with a lot of reselections. Um, and so what we, what we tell our clients is, um, I feel like a lot of what we do with our clients is to give them confidence that everything is going to be okay. So, um, to say, you know, I know that your heart was set on that beautiful fabric that was coming in from England, but I'm so sorry that there is, I, I, there is not going to happen this year. And I, I truly am not sure that there's any fabric waiting six months on. Um, and there are so many other beautiful options. So here are three more choices. And so they're happy to hear that. They know that so much is out of our control. So we do tell our clients that, that um, from here on out, we are making sure um, from say our fabric companies or our suppliers, they are providing 
um, what kind of stock they actually have of the item on the website, which is insanely helpful for us to know, okay, we're specking this drapery fabric and we need 40 yards, but they only have three in stock. Let's find another one. You know, it's, it's just as simple as that. Um, but our, uh, I said this earlier in the spring, you know, the vendors that make our work shine have stepped up to the plate like I have never seen before in the past six months. Um, you know, our, they, they want to make sure that our business is staying successful. And so they're so willing to do whatever it takes to help us make those things happen for our clients. Um, so our reps are still coming very often to show us the new things or they're sending just care packages in the mail to show us what the new selections are if we're not hoping to meet in person. You know, it's been really lovely. And I feel like we feel very bonded here um, because we do feel a sense of resiliency right now. But I think, too, that um, it has been such a make or break period of time for so many other people that we feel lucky to keep continuing to support those small businesses that make, make our world go round. And it's interesting too. And I, you know, when it, when it comes to conversations about, you know, style and the way you do business, one of the things that I'm, I'm really, I find interesting about, about you and your work is, and I, I think it's more of a question. Do you, do you feel like you were sort of insulated a little bit because your your work is and tell me if i'm wrong your work is is very based in in southern style southern yeah. charm southern hospitality and because of that i'm assuming again but you didn't really need to find m- many italian products right many you know many many european fabrics or, or brands to, to deliver. I think much of, much of what you were able to find was possibly even locally sourced. Right. But I am curious, even with that, there are still going to be shortages, right? right. So what, what is your base of resources? Is Atlanta a strong design resource town? And aside from that, did you have to get creative? Have you been creative? Yes. Um, you're so kind to recognize all of those things. I feel like you're just sort of summing up our, um, our summer. It, it has been, I had a, a really kind of thoughtful discussion a couple of weeks ago with someone else about um, how our region and our um, base of our economy and where we are in the U.S., I mean, obviously those things are directly related to the success of our business. So whereas, you know, someone who was doing um, beautiful high rises in New York city is a completely different set of issues. And, you know, their life was very much so put on hold um, much more than ours. We have the freedom of wide open space here. And, you know, while we did have a, a pretty tricky six to eight weeks of the world just being very quiet for us here in the South. Um, Things did open back up. So Atlanta is a city that I think has very responsibly done a mask mandate. Um, All of our, our vendors there, we have wonderful vendors um, in Atlanta. We have the Atlanta decorative art center, which is um, the showroom location for the Southeast for all of our high end furnishings and fabric lines. And so the way that they have handled this has been so extraordinary and is 
obvious that they are keeping our safety and health at such a top priority, you know, with numbers of people allowed in those showrooms, um, by appointment only, everything is just very um, cared for there. Same thing with our building resources, you know, maybe it's a plumbing fixture uh, showroom or lighting, same thing, um, but they also are in that big wave of the uh, essential builder, or, I'm sorry, the essential worker bubble. So they were open um, pretty much the whole time, but we were doing so much uh, virtually for them. And so Atlanta is wonderful because where I am in, um, in North Georgia, I can be in so many areas of Atlanta within, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. And so back to your note of Southern hospitality, a lot of what we do um, involves antiques or um, heirloom pieces for our clients. And so we have a wonderful resource um, community of that in Atlanta, one of which is um, called Scott's Antique Market. And they are open four days out of the month um, for one weekend every month. Well, that is a huge resource for us and our clients. And so we will go there and there's hundreds of vendors. Um, and so it's, it's beautiful pieces, export, um, you know, reproduction ceramics or beautiful American antiques, English antiques, um, paintings and all these things because we, what we do so much of is uh, we love to use older pieces um, incorporated into our design. Well, we really felt that the lack of that resource over the past four months. Um, their first opening was last month in August. And so it, it was such a celebration <laughs> to have it back open. We have, we keep quite a list of things that we need for our clients that we're sourcing for our clients. You can do so much online these days, but there's nothing like being in person to feel and touch and hold, especially if you're trying to convince a client to buy a very expensive piece. Um, it's hard to say, oh, just trust me on the picture, you know? So to meet them in Atlanta and to say, let's spend the day together. Let's shop for these things. Let's use these wonderful resources, um, which is so much of what we do. It has been wonderful to have them back open. So that's kind of in, in part of what we're feeling um, so much of right now is just, okay, um, if I can't get those blue and white jars that are coming in um, from out of our country, then I want to support someone who already has those in stock here. And sometimes the tricky part is just finding who has them. You know, it's a little bit more of a search right now. Yeah, it, it is. And it's really interesting too, but I think it's great that, you know, in that Atlanta area, you do have so many resources. You know, there's some... And I, and I think it's, it's really interesting. And I'm wondering, you know, one of the things that I've noticed over the years doing this, if you're not, if you're not in LA, New York, San Francisco, you know exactly where I'm going with this, Miami, you kind of, you're, con, you're kind of one of the flyover states with regard to design and architecture. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fascinating because even a, even a city that is as, as metropolitan, cosmopolitan as in Atlanta, um, you know, you still, you still kind of get dinged with this, this Southern label, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you. I'm curious as a designer, does that, does A, do you feel the same way? And B, does that make you work harder 
in the design, does that affect you or do you just sort of stay within your, your own bubble? And, and I'm curious because I have a follow-up. Yeah, so I feel like Atlanta, um, having grown up in such a small town in southern middle Georgia, Atlanta was our resource. So I grew up knowing um, we had like a family decorator and it was a really big deal when she came to visit us because it was a two and a half hour trip to, you know, the southern part of the state for her. Um, just this wonderful woman who shaped my life in so many ways. Now that I'm older, I can kind of see that more, but, um, she's, she's still with us and, um, and she's in Atlanta too, but, um, Miss Barbara was her name is, is her name. And so she would drive down from, um, from Atlanta and, you know, she smoked her cigarettes and she was like five feet tall and she wore the sweetest little black ballet flats and her hair was always in a bun. And it was such a big deal when she would come and then I remember it being such a big deal when like my mother and my grandmother would drive to Atlanta to see what she was going to show them or take them to the workroom. Um, and I just recently, my mother gave me the folder of all of the things that they sourced for their house as far as the soft goods and all of the furnishings when my parents built their home 25 years ago. And now at, at my age and in my career, I am fascinated by this folder. I think it's just incredible what they were able to source and do for them without any digital technology whatsoever. It, it really kind of blows my mind and that all of those measurements were perfect. And when they installed it all on, in three days and, and really furthermore that my dad said, okay, to all of it is kind of incredible now. Um, and so to look back that they would literally type out you know, one Roman shade in Schumacher and then put the, and then type out the SKU number. I'm thinking there had to be mistakes made, but we never knew. I mean, you know, it's, it's now you just point and click copy and paste. It's so easy. Um, but to kind of to answer your question, Atlanta has always been a design design hub for my family and for so many of my clients. And what I find with Southern kind of hospitality styled interiors is that that is so appealing for people nationwide. Um, I think it's so much of what we do is rooted in such hospitality. And that is back to what I was saying earlier about our agricultural, um, you know, background is that you had the home on the farm that you grew the, the food. And then at the end of the day, you shared that food together around your beautiful table in your beautiful home. It is extremely interwoven. So even in, you know, in, in the most remote parts of our state, there are extraordinary homes that were built by families and maintained for 200 years that show the best of Southern architecture. And I feel really blessed that we have those. Um, one thing that we have seen such an increase in over the past six months is our request for remote design because these, and it's, it's not just in the South, we're getting inquiries from those Midwestern states that you were referring to because they don't know where to go. And they may not have, even if they have a big city within a day's travel or half a day's travel, they're still at a loss. Where do I go? Where do I start? So that's a service that we're providing is to say, okay, let's narrow this down. What are your needs and what can we help make happen for you from here? And so that can be as simple as 
you know what? You didn't even know this, but there is a custom carpet guy about an hour from you that's going to cut this carpet and this rug or this ju- and they're going to deliver it. And, and they're, they're so grateful, but we can provide that resource because we know what to look for. So, so much of what my other two designers are doing right now are handling those e-design inquiries. And, and I, I hope that continues because I believe that everyone should have access to design a good design, you know, and that your home should be everything you want it to be. You know, it's so interesting to me that you bring that up um, because I, I, I'll be honest with you, I've, been, I've really been struggling with this, the idea of e-design and virtual design. And, you know, before this, there was the whole Laurel and Wolf saga and that between that and home polish and you know, it so turned me off because I, I value what designers and architects do. I, I think what designers do is more than just putting lines and skews on a piece of paper and then going and taking pictures of it when it's done. Mm -hmm. There is an art, there is a psychology, there is a process, there is a institutional knowledge. There's all these things, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, for a company to say, well, for $249, we can design your room for you. That just seems disingenuous. It doesn't seem, it seems, it's a, it's a marketing player. However, that being said, ever since March 12th, I've sort of been taking a different view of this because I feel like while I don't think design should ever be something that's done on the computer exclusively, I think that there is an opportunity there. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm wondering, because um, it, it feels like you've embraced it, you've grasped it with both hands, and you're kind of trying to figure out how to how to make it work for you. And I'm curious, how is it working for you? Are you are you working with just your own clients in a virtual manner? Are you finding new clients that you're working with exclusively in a in a virtual capacity? Um, is this something that you think you'll do more of? even after we get through where we are now? So I, I felt the exact same way that you did for a very long time. Um, it felt, uh, to use your word, disingenuous that you could just put a price tag on a room. Well, that sounds really nice in a perfect scenario. But what what we are doing is we're encouraging our clients. Okay. I'm not going to send you a bunch of links to Wayfair. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to do that. And, and and what we want to do for you is if you don't have the resources near you, which is most of the inquiries we're getting are from very small towns that don't have the resources. Then let me tell you, this is what I want your room to look like and feel like. And this is, the time we're going to spend on it and you will have an investment instead of that point and click. Here's what you do. And then at the end it's kind of like, meh. So we're using the same principles that we use with our in-person clients. And don't get me wrong. um, There is nothing like being in person with your client and seeing if you're doing full scale interiors of a home that they've owned for 30 years, there's nothing like standing in that living room with them. But the fact of the matter is it's just not possible for everyone, life, geography, budget, you know, so 
if given the chance, we encourage our clients to let us be in person. But if you're, you know, sending us an email from somewhere in Texas and it's, you know, two hours from the nearest airport, then we are offering to do the same thing that I'm doing with you right now. Um, an in-person interview will always be wonderful, but we can also do so much now seeing each other, seeing what's behind each other, um, walking through a home. And so the, my two designers that are doing the e-design, they're spending quite a bit of time, you know, face to face like this and talking through those things and saying, you know, okay, then share your inspiration folder with me. I'm going to send some things to you. And so it's, it's not as um, visceral as in person, but it still is taking time to kind of figure each other out. Um, so much of the clients that are coming to us now are so excited about our portfolio of work. So they kind of, they know our style, they know what they're, they're looking for in their home and they're just ready so that it is an investment. It is done and they can enjoy it. And so if we can help make that happen remotely for them. Then I have really come around to the whole process too. How are they finding you? Most of um, our inquiries are coming through word of mouth um, in the Metro Atlanta area or through Instagram. Um, you could have never told me when Instagram became a thing that it would be the, what it has done for our business. But because we're lacking so much face to face these days, that's every, that's our lifeline. That's how we're making sure the rest of the world, you know, we're looking at beautiful things instead of in person. Um, so we're getting most of our inquiries come from word of mouth and Instagram, you know, now we'll have a, a, a random Google search every now and then, but not really. And I'm so grateful that over the past 12 years, I've established relationships with our clients that do recommend us. Um, and so there, there's nothing like that word of mouth exposure. Does that change your relationship with traditional design media, shelter publications, that whole thing? No, not at all. Um, you know, we are lucky to be enough, uh, lucky to be published quite a bit during the year. Um, right now we have two projects on newsstands and two different Southern publications. And oddly enough, we get inquiries from those too. Um, you know, it could just be someone who said, I did not know that you were a thing and we love what we see on these pages and we want to do the same thing. Um, we had one person who received a, um, a publication we're in, in Canada. And so they reached out to the builder in the magazine and said, we want to build this exact house. We want everything about it. And it kind of blew our mind because you just never know who's looking. And if you looked at my nightstand right now, you would see a stack of shelter magazines. There is, it's interesting to me that the day of the digital magazine was kind of fleeting. So, um, you know, what was that? Maybe eight years ago, it was, everyone was converting and it just didn't work. It was, um, and there are a few that stood the test of time, but for the, the vast majority, I still want to get it in my, in my mailbox, you know, every month. And I want to hold that house beautiful and that veranda and see those beautiful pages I want to be able to rip them out. I want to be able to put them on my memo board, um, all the things. And so 
I, I think there is always a place for a beautiful coffee table book um, to inspire me. I did a lot of reading over um, quarantine where I would just spend, you know, my youngest, while he was napping, I would just be pouring over these pages that I hadn't taken the time to do in a really long time. And so you, you will never go back and do that in a digital sense. But I would take that book off the shelf and get excited again to see that beautiful living room and say, Oh my goodness, I loved that five years ago when I bought that book and I still love it now. You're so right. And I was thinking about that too. It was like when this whole thing started as well, you know, I did the same thing. So I imagine that most people would do that. And and it was amazing. You know, I felt kind of like a pack rat. I was amazed at what I, the, the books I collected. Thank you. But it was, you know, the, the magazines I collected, you know, old issues of Metropolitan Home. Yeah. I mean, just to go through them again. And, you know, it was fun for me between Metropolitan Home and uh, issues of Dwell mm -hmm. from, you know, the early 2000s. And I, it, what was really interesting was to go through and to see what stood the test of time versus what didn't. Right. You know, that was really fun. Just to see what was I drawn to then? Yeah. And do I still like it now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think, so too. I think it's really fun. And I, I, you, you would never be able to do that with an online. No, I don't think so. Um, anyway, you, so shifting gears just a little bit, um, I wanted to focus a little bit on some of the work that you've done. And I wanted you to sort of, I wanted you to talk me through it a little bit because, you know, it's interesting you one will have a preconceived notion before speaking to somebody. And then after you talk to him, it's like, wow, I, I totally didn't see where that was coming from, but now I do. And one of the things I wanted to start with is on your website. Um, and for podcasters, podcast listeners following along, it's maggiegriffindesign.com. And we are revamping our whole website right now. And I'd love my current website, but our new website is going to be, I'm so excited. So y'all stay tuned, visit now and then visit in maybe a couple months. By the way, you know, it's really funny you say that because that is the number one thing that everyone says to me right everyone now. When, when I go to the website, they're like, yeah, go to the website. It's great. But, but we are doing, I think, I think designers have used this time to say, okay, we're going to replan, replot. We're going to, we're going to do this whole thing again. Um, and I think that's good. But the one I wanted to actually start with under, uh, under our work is the modern tradition. Mm -hmm. So when I read about you and I'm okay. thinking about Southern, right? Yes. This is so interesting to me because you've, you've done a masterful job and you, you clearly, you know, work Southern charm into all of that. And, and I can almost see the agricultural background uh -huh. in a lot of your work, which I think is really cool. And then this one just sort of struck me. There is so much Asian influence <laughs> in the design of this one. Yeah. And I think it's fantastic. And I'm curious why. Um, you know, that's really funny you bring that up. I have always, this is my mother's house too, by the way. So okay. yeah, I have a, a particularly um, personal pull to this one, but um, I have always loved blue and white. And um, there is a whole genre of, of blue and white that's called flow blue that actually has no Asian influence. It's really, um, they're more floral patterns. 
And so my mother and both of my grandmothers and all of my aunts, five of them, all collect Flow Blue. And so I was around it my whole life. And then as time went along, I kind of discovered, oh, there's a, another genre of blue and white that are, you know, reproduction pieces from China. And so it was something I really gravitated towards. Um, but it's one of those things, it's just ingrained in my head because it has been in the homes I grew up in my entire life. Um, but I'm looking at this first photo and it's, you know, we've got a pagoda and we've got a Greek key and we've got all of it is very Asian um, with, or strongly um, influenced. But then you have the, the English touch of the Staffordshire and then you have the Black Forest Mirror um, from Germany and then you have the antlers because my dad and my brothers are hunters. So to me, it's such a, um, a collected vibe. And I do believe that when you can incorporate a little bit of that worldly touch, that it makes a space feel much more at homey um, versus going into a showroom and, and picking out all brand new things. Um, because the South is so rooted in, uh, generational kind of living, then I feel like it, I, I hope one day I'm lucky enough to collect all of these things from my mother that my grandmothers and their mothers before them passed down. Um, and so adding in a couple of the new touches, you know, the blue and white lamp, but with the acrylic va uh, base and the, the drum shade, I hope keeps it a little bit more current. But if you wanted to easily swap out for a more established vibe, you know, we go with a wooden base and a pleated shade. Um, so those are things I love the feel of maybe we aren't quite sure which generation of the family it came from. Well, I love to in, in an image from what's possibly the living room or again, you, you have the blue and white, you have the, the blue and white sort of Asian inspired end table. You've got a leopard print pillow, you've got yeah. a cowhide rug and it all works it all works together. It's highly, it's highly collected. And I think that, um, you know, what's, what struck me about that so much is that, you know, you can still, you still have that, that Southern influence. You still have that, those, your architectural and, and hunter gatherer roots uh, incorporated <laughs> within right. the, within the design, but you've also gone far East with some of the collected pieces as well as Europe and, you know, different parts of Europe. And I, I think that's really interesting. Well, um, too, just from a, a, a larger um, standpoint, we have quite a few military bases in, in Georgia, um, let alone the southeast. Of course, we've got Savannah, and then we've got um, the whole Gulf. But um, if you go into an antique mall, in which are not as common in other areas of the state, but here they are, there may be an entire set of true export China that someone was stationed in Japan or in, um, in Germany during a war and they brought back with them. And so those pieces are readily available here in, in Georgia, um, very beautiful, unique ones. And so I feel like that kind of has a little bit of influence on, on me and my aesthetic as well. Um, also just, you know, if you're looking at the coffee table, it's, it's very primitive. It's not, a fine piece. It's not um, something that needs to be put onto an insurance policy. It's just a, a, a really great clean leg 
that while it didn't come from a family member could have easily been passed down from another, another time. And I, my husband and I have a home in North Carolina and between one of the beds in a guest room is my great grandmother's biscuit table. So before there were such things as kitchen islands, they had very primitive lined, simple tables that they could move around to use as extra counter space. So it was, it's a white enamel top with a little, and you can find those too in, in secondhand or antique malls, but that was where she made her biscuits and rolled her biscuits. And I'm so glad that someone had the wherewithal to save it. And I'm very grateful because I did not know her that it's now nestled between my boys' beds in our, in our second home. Um, but I think that that's such a Southern thing too, is to have a story. Everything's got a story. Um, <laughs> and so we true. like to talk. <laughs> so true. That's the best. Well, and so the next one I wanted to go to uh, again is the modern farmhouse. Mm-hmm. So really interesting. I, again, it's the same concept yeah. of, you know, hunter-gatherer agricultural roots but with a with a modern with a modern flair with a modern feel and the first image that you get which i think is really interesting was your approach to this tv room which mm-hmm. is which is the the customary sitting room right mm-hmm. it's the might call it a parlor right yeah. but it was a parlor yes yeah but what's interesting is your approach to this was you you took you took the the idea of the barn door Mm-hmm. And you completely modernized it to to make it work. And I'm just curious, when I see designers do things like this, yeah. I always wonder if this is where the fun is for you. Uh-huh. Well, I love this. This space to me is such a, um, this is a young family that has teenage children. Um, you know, the couple are both in their early 40s. And so they were also very rooted in traditional design, but so open, which I appreciate so much because that is such a wonderful client is to say, okay, Chris, this is your space. You've got a great handsome mantle in there. There was a, um, there's a beautiful painting of um, a native American mother and, and her children above the mantle. But instead of us doing a wood barn door, let's do a steel door on a great black rod um, or track. And then let's pull in that cowhide. And then it's, you can't see from the photo, but there's um, a duck that he, you know, a trophy duck that he had um, preserved um, hanging in the room too. But then there are a pair of very modern light fixtures right here. Um, so it, to me, one of it's just all about the mix and, you know, if you say in 10 years, okay, this light's not working for me, but I still love the shiplap and I still love the grass cloth. It's easy to change that one element. But if you have a home that is strictly traditional or strictly contemporary, it is very difficult to give it a refresh. So our approach at MGD is to let's have a little bit of a mix to where if you say, I'm really tired of this crystal chandelier let's try a metal drum shade instead, then it still works so well in the space. 
And I think it's um, Martin Lawrence Bullard said, if you have a beautiful object and you put it next to another beautiful object, they're still beautiful. And it doesn't really have anything to do with what you can learn from a textbook. That is absolutely true. That is so true. Um, interesting too about this project is when you look at it in context on, on the piece of land in which it resides, mm -hmm. you know, you look at the exterior. Did you work on the exterior as well? Because it's so funny. You know what I love? You know what I love about this, about this project too? And I think it's really interesting. I don't know if it was intentional or, or not, but when, when you had this shot, you clearly made on the inside, you made no, no, there's no intent to hide the TVs. Right. <laughs> because that's real life. That's the way we live. You, you didn't, you know, hey, let's hide the TVs for the image and put a piece of art there. And right. it's like, look, the TVs go here. This is what we're doing. Yeah. Outside, you can see the basketball hoop. I love that you didn't try to hide that because it's functional. This, right. is, this, is, this is how the home lives. This, this piece of property is absolutely beautiful. And the way it sits on the landscape is amazing. Did, did you have any of the influence on the, on the outside tour? Or, or do you just do the inside? Um, when we came on board for the project, the home site was already established. Um, but over time, we have tweaked things. You know, we, we suggested the um, beautiful copper lantern above the front door. Um, I suggested maybe let's keep those front doors a little bit more traditional. Um, we've got the black window, but we've got the warmth of the front door um, or the, the, three, the three pairs of doors across the front um, that are stained. Um, as you can see on the far right side too, there's construction happening next door, which is exciting. Um, but the, I wish I could show you the back of the home as well, because there is a, you know, beautiful infinity pool beyond the back of the house. And then beyond that, there is a field with a beautiful piece of land, um, and that has a great pond. So if you look in their living room, there's a pair of, uh, custom, uh, commissioned pieces that we did on either side of the the television in there um, that were taken from that were painted based on photographs that they they loved of their land in the backyard. So you know you've got this great sense of purpose and history here now, and this place where this family is really putting their roots. Um, and yes, unfortunately, I wish that those black boxes could go away, but it's real life, and this is where they spend all of their time. So, um, and especially now during quarantine, I spoke with them recently and they're just so grateful that they have a place where they can swim and they can play basketball and they can be with their friends. Um, it's just been great. Yeah. And, and the last question I have for you is about that. It's with regard to the out, outdoor spaces I have found, and I'm curious if this is the same for you. Many have focused so closely on the interior spaces and sort of left the outside to, to landscape architects, landscape designers, you know, I'm curious if you're taking more of a concerted approach to working on the exteriors, at least it close proximity exteriors and working with the interiors to make them sort of serve as one to capture unused spaces. Absolutely. Um, you had the nail on the head what we're so much of so many of our clients, you know, if you spec a whole, um, a beautiful outdoor living space, 
and you're trying to figure out what do we want to invest in up front? What do we want to do later? Sometimes the outdoor spaces can get a bit neglected, but what we're seeing now is they are wanting to make sure that they are just as perfectly appointed as their main living rooms. And especially here in North Georgia, we do have um, the luxury of being able to live more in indoors and out, um, you know, in say in the Southern part of our state, you need to be behind a screen <laughs> most of the time because of the bugs right. But here in North Georgia. Let's fling those doors open. Let's make sure that if that is a beautiful wicker sofa and we have to have an outdoor fabric, then we want the pillows to look just as punchy. We want to bring the outdoors in. Maybe we've got beautiful plants. We've got a wet bar set up outside or at least a bar cart so that we can kind of entertain now between all of these spaces. Um, you know, we're, we're not hosting as many large gatherings. I think that's going to be something that we really see in the next couple of years is that, you know, we're not having a, a large gathering at our home maybe per se, but we're having lots of small ones and which really sings to my heart. And I love the thought of having your family there more routinely. I feel like there are so many families who have not spent this much time together in a very long time. And so I feel really blessed that so many of us, yes, let's have everyone over and spend the whole day together on Sunday afternoon and the kids can swim or we can be outside throwing the football. And it's kind of getting back to where, you know, many of us, we're, we were lacking in that anyway. And so absolutely your front porch, you know, now your pots have never looked better. Your, your, you know, your uh, beds in your gardens have never looked more fluffed. Your back area, it's all the things you were probably putting off. And so now you want it all to be accessible and comfortable and approachable and, and beautiful for your family. Uh, love it. And you mentioned football and let's hope that can, comes back soon. <laughs> I know. I know we um, we're big, we're big fans around our house. And so um, a life without SEC football seemed very odd. And we're, we're grateful that at least we can watch from a spectator's point of view. Exactly. Maggie, this was so great. I really appreciate your time. This Thank was wonderful. You. you have been, you've made my day and I just have loved talking about it. I can talk about design forever. So um, thank you so much for, for calling on me and I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Maggie. I love this conversation. Some of my favorite parts included the project exploration. That really is what it is, a deep dive into the design itself. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Walker Zanger, for your partnership. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to the show. Thank you for being a part of this thing that seven years ago was just an idea and now recently crossed the 300 episode mark. Thank you for keeping me company in 2020 through the podcast. It's amazing to receive the emails of support and show suggestions. So this is it, the last episode of 2020. With this, we bid 2020 farewell and look forward to what has to be a better year. I wish you health, success, and the best year ever. Be well, and until next year, keep creating. Mm -hmm.